Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Leonard. And we want to welcome to our podcast from the Hocus Pocus Minute, Kathleen Mucklin. Hello! How's everybody doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say a line from Hocus Pocus if you want. I wouldn't understand it because I've never seen the movie. It's okay. I'll just do a muck, a muck, a muck, a muck, a muck. I say that all the time. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to knock back at you. Uh, I mean, Robin, you really have to fix that. You have to see Hocus Pocus. I mean, Lynn and I just think it's a damn shame you haven't yeah. seen it, and you claim to be this Halloween fan. It just doesn't make any sense. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. For shame. I, I just was like, uh, it's, it's Bette Midler uh, and Kathy Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker. I'm They're like, great. I'm sure they're great in the movie. I just was never really a big fan of anything they've really done. What, well, like Big Business, maybe? Or uh... <laughs> I mean, Big Business is great, but you're a big fan of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll work on that. Maybe by the time this actually comes out, I'll have watched it. It might be the second Halloween from now uh, at, at our production rate. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> uh, this is Minute 76 of Fright Night. It begins with a weapons check and ends with an open invitation. question to you, uh, Kathleen, obviously, since it's the first time you've been on our podcast, when did you first watch Fright Night? How did you get into it? Um, is it your number one movie over Hocus Pocus? Uh, those <laughs> well, I have to say, um, I was born in 1984, so uh, obviously I couldn't, you know, I wasn't really coherent when the movie came out. <laughs> my first experience watching it was in the late 80s, so it must have been 89, maybe, I don't know, even 88. And we all remember beta tapes? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was like the coolest thing. My dad, you know, was really into tech, and he was like, beta tapes are superior to VHS. They were. And he was really into recording movies that came on, you know, TV and everything. And my first experience with Bright Night was on a beta tape where Princess Bride was actually recorded right before Fright Night. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So I'm watching Princess Bride, and there's right. You guys know where I'm going with this, and I'm like, "Oh, Prince Humperdinck, he's such a jerk!" And then (laughs) immediately after that, Fright Night starts playing, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, Prince Humperdinck's a vampire? What's going on? This is crazy!" (laughs) Um, But I just I fell in love with Fright Night. There's just something about Halloween that just I don't know, just gets to my soul and I absolutely love it. It just makes sense to me. And there's a picture of me from like when I was really little with like those awesome high tops with the basketball, the pumps. Do you guys remember that? Of course. Yeah. And I am so proud of um, this cemetery that I created and everything. And it's got like a little nod to like Fright Night, Monster Squad, Haunted Mansion, you know, type tombstones and everything. But like, yeah, that's my experience with Fright Night was on a beta tape back in the late 80s 
And I got, you know, the like Dandridge and Prince Humperdinck mixed up with each other, like, all the time. <laughs> it was just it was hilarious. So, fell in love with the movie. It's definitely, not just out of horror movies, but out of any movie, probably in my top five. I yeah. just love it. <clears throat> Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, I, obviously there's a little bit of an age difference here, but I immediately think of uh, Monster Squad, and you could have been like our little sister in our gang if you wanted to. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm just thinking about a kindergartner watching Fright Night. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what didn't make sense. So my parents were really strict. Like, they were church-going folk and everything. But it was okay for me, you know, at age four and five to watch Alien, to watch Aliens, to watch The Exorcist, to watch Fright Night and Monster Squad. It was just a different time, folks. I agree. I have to say that we might be long lost siblings because I came, I come from the exact same background. Yeah. I just don't know what it, I mean, you know, you, you show a kid, you know, when they're four and five, something like monster squad, which is another movie I, I love. That's just on my rotation around Halloween time is monster squad, fright night, hocus pocus, American werewolf in London, you know, Texas chainsaw massacre, the classics. Right. right. Um, and of course, Halloween, but I mean, we could go on just talking about other horror movies, but, <laughs> really, Fright Night is just a, a gem in the collection of horror movies. It, it's a perfect movie, and I think it's because it's horror comedy. It's a hilarious movie. Mm-hmm. So, Agreed. yeah, I think that's why it's so rewatchable and it's, and it's a cult following because it's got that comedy aspect to it, like Evil Dead or Monster Squad. So. Yeah, we love it here. So you're saying it's better than Hocus Pocus, though, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that. I think it's comparing apples to oranges. So <laughs> they both have their place in the universe, and I like I like both for different reasons. So, but for the sake of uh, you know selling my show that's about Hocus Pocus, I think <laughs> Hocus Pocus is great, and then everyone should listen to the show so and watch the movie, especially Robin because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I like the idea of Fright Night being the apple, since Jerry's a big fan of apples, and Hocus Pocus being the orange because, I don't know, Bette Midler's red hair. <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, a reason why Hocus Pocus would be the orange. <laughs> well, it's a more overt um, Halloween film, so. I think you're overanalyzing me a bit, which is hilarious, but I, it's just a common thing. The apples and oranges, but whatever floats your boat, Robin. So. <laughs> This is a this is a minute by minute thing. Somebody presents an idea, and then the person's like, "All right, let's take that apart into ten different pieces." It's just the it's the mindset you get into, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. <laughs> let's talk about this case. So we we kind of got into it at the beginning of the movie when we're watching Peter Vincent uh, in his old movie uh, taking down a vampire uh, on the TV set. But uh, Peter has brought this case along on a real vampire hunt, and I'm just wondering. What do you think about this uh, this case? I mean, I think, okay, the case is cool. I think it's great for when he's doing his movie sets. I think it's totally appropriate for that. It's very dramatic. It's got the clips, you know, he opens it up. You see all of his arsenal and everything. But for field ops, like for <laughs> tactical sense, yeah. for a vampire killer, it is awkward as fuck to walk. <laughs> okay? um, I mean, it takes two, like, br- Brewster has to hold it 
so that he can open it up. And before they go in anywhere, they have to take what they need out. So <laughs> yeah. it's not, it's not practical. And guys, we need to come up with a streamlined carrying apparatus for vampire hunting here. Um, <laughs> something that's really good for fil- field ops, not just the film set. So I'm thinking they need utility belts. I just some sort of like loose strap that, that they can tuck things into. <laughs> I mean, that makes the most sense. I mean, they just whip it out, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. well, not it, like, you know, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what are you talking about? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> They're wood. Uh, oh, oh. The stakes, <laughs> okay, man. You, okay, all right. Woo. Now I'm going to get the cross out and clear the room. Okay, we're good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was kind of my feeling. Uh, I think Len is still, like, a fan of the aesthetic of it all. You know, just the, the, the classic uh, vampire killer. Yeah, I box. want one for my office, but, yeah. I, I yeah, it's not practical. No. So, so Peter. No, it looks really cool. It's aesthetically pleasing, but it's uh, not practical. <laughs> it just looks so heavy. It feels so Plus, bad. This old man carrying his giant box. Yeah, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. We we, we can't see why you would need like seventy crosses. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a backup cross. You yeah, know, just in case one gets crossed. Well, I mean, if you, if you, well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Peter Vincent doesn't have faith, right? I know that's coming up in the next couple of minutes. Right. And if vampires keep crushing crucifixes, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe I, guess, that's I suppose, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so Peter goes through the weapons that he has. He's got a hammer, he's got a cross, he's got stakes, and Charlie is wondering, well, what about Billy? What about Billy Cole? And uh, actually, it, it made me think, Does how did Charlie know his full name? I didn't even, I don't even know how he got to know his, his actual, maybe he did Billy introduce himself to the detective as Billy Cole? Uh, he may have. I think maybe that, maybe that that's has it. to Sorry, be I'm it. figuring this out on the podcast, so... <laughs> But, uh, yeah. No, I I have a note too that I, I didn't understand how he knew his full name or even his first name. Yeah, I think he says I'm Billy Cole when he in, in, introduces himself to the detective. Um, it says it right in the script. That's how he knows. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Tom Holland told Charlie. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, Peter pulls out a gun, points it at Charlie's face, and it's like basically like, this is what I, this is what we're using. I got this from from the or, from Orgy of the Damned. And it's funny because, you know, Orgy of the Damned, the props master guy, must have been so pissed because not only he stole the gun, but he also, I, like a mirrored case is one thing, but a props master is like, uh, yeah, I lost the live gun that we had. Right. <laughs> So, uh, and and so uh, Charlie asks, like, "What if he's not human?" And Peter says, "He walks during the day. He's a human." Which I wrote in my notes, a giant uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I just you can't assume anything like that. You know, it's just I don't know. He just assumes that because Cole is walking during the daylight, that he has to be a human. But there's lots of other creatures that could be rocking around during the day. Like, he could be a werewolf, you know? Uh, He could be a ghoul. And honestly, for the longest time, I've been wondering what Billy Cole actually is. Like, is he a zombie? Is he just... Like a Night of the Living Dead type thing. This is something I still have not gotten an answer. And you never will. Because Tom Holland himself says, I don't know. Yes, Jonathan Stark himself. Yeah, that's the actor. He had no idea. (laughs) He even was like, you're going to ask me, right? I mean... (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, throughout the movie, we see there's so many different powers that Dandridge has, right? I mean, his powers are limitless, 
are just are unlimited. And um, I don't know, maybe he's got like some voodoo witch or witchcraft type stuff going on where he can like concoct zombies. I have no idea, but uh, yeah. it's, it's incredibly frustrating. Like there's just a big hole in the plot and it drives me crazy. So, yeah, I mean, Peter should definitely not assume it because even the guy that wrote the script has no idea what Billy can do or <laughs> right. what powers he has or if he can be I killed think by he, a gun. Honestly, I think he was intended to be human. They had the special effects guys there on the movie and they were doing some cool <laughs> stuff and they were like, hey, man, make, make his face melt. Yeah, this will yeah. be cool. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers. It worked <laughs> Indiana Jones, so why not? <clears throat> right. So. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's funny because, you know, Peter's logic is basically like this happened, you know, according to all the all the experience I have with dealing with vampires, if he's if he walks during the day, you know, I think he's just comparing it to other vampires. You know, he hasn't seen Blade yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's got his armchair vampire hunting, right? Like he has he doesn't have any field experience. Right. (laughs) So Peter bulldozes ahead, and uh, Charlie is—he's—he's uh, he's getting what he wants. Uh, he begged, you know, Peter to come, and he didn't—he didn't go, uh, and now he showed up. Uh, but it's like Charlie feels like he's—he's got to say something. He's like, "Well, you know, you don't have to do this." And then he's like, oh, "He starts to try to thank him." And uh, Peter is—he's in the moment. He's in the role. He has his courage up. He's got his beer goggles on, or whatever you want to call it—your you know, <laughs> beer muscles. The, the vampire killer version of uh, beer muscles and uh, don't even stop to think about it we're doing this it's like a, it's like me when I get near a roller coaster. It's like uh, I'm going to do this, and uh, you know, it, 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 if I don't go go and do it, uh, I will never ever get on this. So, which I usually never. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, Peter Vincent definitely has to like not only build faith in like a religious sense. I feel like he has to build faith in himself too. So. There's a uh, nice shot of them uh, approaching the house, and I really felt like this comes off like a Western, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Peter's got the gun in his hand, the crucifix and the giant box in the other hand, manipulating that, and then Charlie with his stake and hammer. I just, you know, you, I feel like there should be, like, the, you know, the uh, Morricone score going on, you know? Uh, but it's, uh, you know, of course, it's uh, uh, Brad Fidel's track, uh, Approaching the House, it's called, which yeah. is very similar to uh, an early track called Charlie's Cathedral, which played, uh, when we go to Charlie's bedroom, we see his the armory that he's built up that he's left at his house because he doesn't <laughs> carry giant boxes. <laughs> um, uh, it's the same music that plays during that. It's, it's, it's at least very similar. So Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I the Western aspect. I, I want to hear that famous like Western whistle, like... Yep. <laughs> bear, bear, bear. You know, yeah, that could have been Yeah, yeah, good, bad, um, ugly. Yes. I also I noticed this in a couple because I rewatched the movie, of course, like three times this week. You know, well, I love the movie, and it's a it's a fast paced movie. It doesn't mess around, so it's very similar. It's very similar to that of like Hocus Pocus. Like movies in the eighties and nineties were just really good about keeping the story going, but. I find it hilarious that in Charlie's neighborhood, this is the only house that has a fog machine around it constantly. <laughs> so uh, true. But it's that horror comedy type of aspect, you know, like, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just really funny. I, so. You know, Jerry, 
somehow he he affects environment around him. I mean, he turns himself into smoke at some point, you know? And there there is smoke that's rolling, and the wind is blowing. I mean... I swear, you walk, like, uh, you know, half a block away, the street will not be dirty and covered with leaves. But for some reason, in front of this really scary house, it is definitely looking like a war zone they're walking through. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Uh, the script says, the two of them cross the street, heading towards the house, which now seems to be staring at them, about to charge them. <laughs> which I thought was a, a, a nice uh, a descriptor. I like some of the things that Tom Holland writes in his script, but... Um, so what do you think of, uh, I guess uh, I, I have a quote here from, uh, William Ragsdale about working with Roddy, but, uh, what do you think of, uh, Roddy McDowell as, as Peter Vincent? I, I love Roddy McDowell. Um, I'm a huge Planet Planet of the Apes fan nice. of those movies. So I actually, I, I want to say I watched those movies maybe before this one. I know, right. I'm like four or five in like the late eighties. How can you possibly remember? It's like, no. I just remember, like, oh, that's the ape guy, and that's, you know, the thing with Charlton Heston, the NRA dude, you know, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I, he's just so great. He's got, you know, he's very eloquent. Um, he's got that thespian-type vibe, I guess, because he was, he was born in the U.K., wasn't he? I believe so, yeah. You know, yeah, like an English-American. And he plays that cowardly lion-type feel so yeah. well. Um, just he's very like mousy. He's just very nervous, but you know, his character comes full circle in the end and ends up being a hero. So I absolutely adore him. Um, I don't know if you guys talked about the updated version of Fright Night from 2011, but, uh, Uh, we, we, it's, we shit on it a week. We, uh, (laughs) we get into it and be like, yeah, Zach, basically. I didn't not like it, but the, yeah. the original is just so much better. And I, I am a big David Tennant fan from Doctor Who. Right. So while I enjoyed his Chris Angel version of Vincent Price, <laughs> um, you know, it's just the original is always best for me. Uh, William Ragsdale talking about uh, in Deadly Magazine number 10 from like the 80s. uh, He says about Roddy, uh, Roddy was such a professional and so on top of his craft. He really went into the depths of where these leaps in character were on a day-to-day basis because it would always change. As an actor who was still learning, it was an amazing experience to be able to play along with that because as Peter would crack, it allowed Charlie to find his own strength and vice versa. We were able to play that dynamic up and established a buddy feeling, you see, between the two toward the end of Fright Night. As that relationship evolved, it sort of echoed the relationship between Roddy and myself. I was very fortunate to have worked with him and have these kinds of experiences so early in my career, too. Yeah, I can't imagine just being like this like up-and-coming actor. All of a sudden, you get the lead role in a horror film by the guy who made Psycho 2, you know? <laughs> and, but you get to work with Roddy McDowell, you know? Yeah. Just craziness. And Chris Sarandon wasn't Chris a nobody Sarandon, then. Yeah. 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 No, but I think that's really, thank you for sharing that. Like, that's so cool. Like, they do have this amazing dynamic, like Brewster and Vincent, throughout the movie. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> Peter and Charlie are walking across the street, and Peter gets as far as the curb, and <laughs> he stops. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, this is from the script. Peter isn't really paying attention to Charlie. His eyes are on that malevolent-looking house, the house looming larger and larger above him as they get closer and closer. Peter begins to slow, his nerve draining away as the true evilness of the place begins to eat at him. He finally comes to a halt, staring at the house. And, uh, yeah, I like this little 
little pause where, you know, he's like, it, this is happening, okay? Uh, give the nerve back again, yeah. <laughs> you know? <And> Charlie <laughs> asks what's wrong, and he's like, nothing at all, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I think the, the notes about the house being a character in of itself, like it being alive and evil and malevolent is interesting, and maybe it kind of answers my next couple of notes that I took. Um, oh, yeah. So the door opens by itself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just assumed that was Dandridge because apparently he has all the powers that are in uh, <laughs> fictional writing, but maybe the house itself is haunted or evil and Dandridge <laughs> being there is bringing, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I kind of figured it to be Billy Cole standing behind the door going, pulling the door open slowly. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that it's probably Jerry. However, I mean, that's not an uncommon thing in in the Salem's Lot. Oh, such a good movie! I, I don't know how much they get into it uh, into the movie. It's been a while, but in the books, the house is a famous old haunted house, and that's why the vampire picks it because it's it, evil calls evil essentially, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, so it could be. I will say, and I've, I think I said it before that the house interior is what I think about when I think about the Dandridge house. I think about the big window and the statues. I don't really think about the outside because it's mostly shot in fog and in the dark. You know, he did just come off of Psycho 2 not that long ago. So it's almost good. <laughs> there's a house. You know, yeah, there's a house. <laughs> I don't really, the exterior of the Dandridge house, I don't really think about too much because I don't think you really ever get to see it as much as he describes it in his script. Yeah, not as much action actually happens out front. Right. And we get a couple, like, you know, we had, uh, you know, a couple minutes ago, Charlie staring at the house from across the street and all, you know, the rocking chair moving on its own and stuff like that. Um, And now it's Peter kind of taking in this house as well. So, I mean, I I don't think it's a haunted house. I just think evil exists here and, uh, you know, weird stuff happens. Well, technically, I guess him being inside makes it haunted. Right. Right? Because technically he's outside. See you in the next minute. Okay. <laughs> all over the place, okay? Like, the man place. can teleport anywhere he wants to in the pool of <laughs> It's crazy. And good for him. That's what I say. <laughs> um, good for you, Jerry. Bravo. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, Peter gets past the curb and, you know, Charlie, you know, he's really, uh, got his gumption up. He's ready to push ahead. He wants to save Amy. He steps on that first step. And of course that first step, it just creaks super loud. (laughs) And, uh, Peter grabs him and asks him, are you crazy? And, uh, and says they should sneak through the back door. Uh, but that's like, like you said, that's when the front door opens with, of course, a long creak. Yeah. So Dandridge also has you know super hearing as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it also looks like the lights are on from the outside. It looks like these, the, the lights are all on, but when, you know, and we'll see in the next moment when they step in, it's just kind of, I think it's kind of naturally illuminated, really. I don't think there's a, any lights on, really, in there. Uh, maybe the moonlight or something, but I don't remember there being actual lights. Like, it doesn't look lit up like when they did the uh, vampire test earlier. So. Right. Um, so, I, this is, again, another house descriptor from the, the script uh, before we uh, wrap up this minute. It says, Peter and Charlie turn to look at it. The, the door he's talking about. A dark, gaping hole like an open mouth ready to swallow them. <laughs> and that's what he says, too late. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, they know he's, they, he knows they're coming, so... 
But uh, that's that. I mean, did you have anything else in your notes? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. So awesome. Well, I think that we did this uh, minute pretty good. Uh, do you want to let the folks know uh, where they can find you on the old interwebs? Yes, on the World Wide Web or the internet. <laughs> Um, you can find me on Hocus Pocus Minute. We're on Facebook. We're a part of a Pele Media Group. That's Group, spelled P-E-L-E, mediagroup.com. And uh, our group has also done Ghostbusters Minute, Jurassic Park Minute, and Goonies Minute as well Ooh. with another show coming in the pipeline. So stay tuned for that. And, uh... Yeah, listen to our show. It's a lot of fun. We've gotten some great feedback. So anyone who's into Halloween, <laughs> Robin, um, should really <laughs> hope it's focus the movie and then take a listen to our show. All right, will do. Um, and uh, as for us, we're going to put a stake in this one. Please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Len. Oh, and I'm Kathleen. Thanks for listening. Have a fright night, everyone. He's a vampire. A what? (laughs) You're so cool.